Well, please, congregation, turn your Bibles this morning to Isaiah chapter 55. Having already heard from Romans chapter 6, we'll look especially at Isaiah 55 in connection with our Lord's declaration in Matthew 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Isaiah 55 illustrates that principle for us this morning. There we read, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. And delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you. Because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, they do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish all that I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. This congregation, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Well, dear congregation, of the Lord Jesus Christ, we all know what it is to be hungry, and we all know what it is to be thirsty. Who among us hasn't experienced the satisfaction of a, of a hot meal after a hard day's work? Who among us hasn't experienced the satisfaction of a cold drink of water after working outside under a hot summer sun? We all know what it is to be hungry and thirsty. In fact, you could even say that such are among the very first sensations that we experience in this world. Babies come out of the womb hungering and thirsting for their mother's breast. Proverbs suggests that there's a sense in which hunger directs everything we do. Proverbs 16 verse 26 says that a worker's appetite works for him and his mouth urges him on. For when the worker wakes up in the morning and he feels that his stomach is empty, his appetite drives him to work because he knows that if he does not work, he will not eat. 
His appetite determines the rest of his day, having influence on every decision that he makes, how early he rises, how hard he works, and what he chooses to do with his time. And Jesus tells us that what is true of us physically is also true of us spiritually. Our spiritual appetite is is the driving force behind everything that we do. Our spiritual appetite is that which shapes all our desires and our dreams, all our, our plans and our pursuits. What we crave spiritually will dictate not only how we spend the rest of this Lord's Day, but, but what we do in the days and weeks and, and the years to come. And this is the principle that our Savior is pressing upon us here. When he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. According to Jesus, there's only one way to true satisfaction. There's only one way to true flourishing. And that's to hunger and thirst for righteousness. But what does that mean? What does it mean to hunger and thirst for righteousness? That's the key question we have to address this morning, isn't it? Because if we want to know this blessing for ourselves, we want to experience this satisfaction, this flourishing, this true satisfaction, then we have to know what it is to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Well, boys and girls, the heart of this hunger is simply this. To hunger and thirst for righteousness is ultimately to hunger and thirst for God himself. To hunger and thirst for righteousness is to to cry out with the psalmist in Psalm 42, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants after you. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? In other words, to hunger and thirst for righteousness is to pursue intimate communion with the God of heaven. It is to say with the psalmist in Psalm 73, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none on earth that I desire besides you. It's a hunger that says with Moses in Exodus 33, verse 15, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. It's a hunger that's willing to break with sin. It's a hunger that's willing to, to lay everything aside, whatever it is that, that hinders that communion with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a, a hunger that, that strains forward with the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3, saying, I will, I'll give up anything that I might know Christ and the power of His resurrection. And so to hunger and thirst for righteousness is really to live a life of genuine repentance and faith. Put negatively, it is to live a life of, of hating sin and, and putting to death sin. And put positively, it is to live a life in constant communion with Christ. As Lord's Day 33 says, it is to live with a wholehearted joy in God through Christ and to live according to the will of God by doing every kind of good work. Or to put it another way, still to hunger and thirst for righteousness is to live in light of the words that we just sang. I open wide my mouth and pant. Oh, how I long to know your ways. As with all those who love your name, turn unto me and show me your grace. This hunger, according to our Lord, is what every believer has in common. Whoever belongs to Christ, whoever belongs to his kingdom, by nature of that fact, hungers and thirsts for righteousness. For all those who belong to Christ and to his kingdom have been born again by the Spirit of God. And having been born again, their senses have been reawakened. 
And so they've come to discover that although they've been eating and drinking throughout the entirety of their lives, their spiritual stomachs are totally empty. But whoever is in Christ, says Paul, is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. And being a new creation in Christ, therefore, involves new appetites. It's that we begin to hunger and thirst for righteousness rather than unrighteousness, which can never truly satisfy Having come to see their own spiritual poverty and emptiness, God's people come to seek satisfaction in the one place, in the one place it can be found, namely in the Lord himself. And so when our Lord makes the declaration, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, he's essentially describing the people who have taken heed of this divine summons from Isaiah 55. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are those who have, by faith, heard God say, come, Come to me. In the days of Isaiah, God spoke to a people who had gone far from him. As God spoke to the prophet Jeremiah, the people to whom God spoke in those days were a people who had committed two evils. They had forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters, and they had dug out for, and they had dug out for themselves their own cisterns, broken cisterns that could hold no water. But to such a people, to people like you and me, God said, come. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. To such a people, to a people like you and me, God pressed the question, why, why would you spend your money for that which does not satisfy, for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? to a people who were far too long had been listening to all the lies of Satan, all the lies of the world, God said, listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food and climb your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my sure, steadfast love for David. This congregation is the way in which God speaks to the whole world. He summons all people everywhere to leave their broken cisterns behind and to come to him for living water. And yet there are so many who reject that summons, aren't there? There are so many who choose instead to go on digging for themselves those broken cisterns that can hold no water. But in God's amazing grace and by the effectual work of the Holy Spirit, there are others who with empty hands have come in faith, to accept the invitation extended to them. And these are the people whom Christ has in view here in this beatitude. The only ones who have this hunger, the only ones who have this thirst, are those whom God has effectually drawn unto himself, granting them faith and repentance and rescuing them from the dominion of darkness and bringing them into the kingdom of his Son, as we confess in the, fifth head, in the fourth head of the canons of Dor. And also simply to say that, the, that what we've been saying all along, that these qualities, poverty of spirit, the quality of mourning, the quality of meekness, none of these qualities come to us by nature. None of these qualities come naturally to any of us. By nature, we look for satisfaction in all the wrong places. By nature, we hunger and thirst for sin. We look for satisfaction in, in all the pleasures of the world. 
So when God, <clears throat> when God saved us in Christ, when God gave us a new heart, He gave us eyes to see that God made us for Himself and that our hearts are restless until they find rest in Him, as St. Augustine once said. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who have heard the effectual summons to forsake the pursuits of the world and to come in faith to the one place where true satisfaction can actually be found. To quote Ray Ortland, God's invitation is, is too good to refuse, too urgent to even to delay. Isaiah 51, 55, verse 1, he says, lies so close to the heart of God. It's the message that he wants everyone from the whole of the human race to hear. But simply knowing that, writes Ortland, is not enough. For we must dive into this endless ocean. In faith, we must live in light of this newfound hunger. We must come to him to drink from that well that never dries up again and again and again. And so God calls us to seek Him and to seek Him earnestly. Isaiah speaks to us by the Spirit of Christ and he urges us to seek the Lord. Seek the Lord while He may be found and call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His way and the unrighteous man his unrighteous thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that He may have compassion on Him and to our God for He will abundantly pardon or contrary to what the devil would have us to believe, God's thoughts are not our thoughts, and His ways are not our ways. Even when we have fallen back into those old patterns of feasting on the pleasures of sin, even when we've spent all our money, that which does not satisfy, dumpster diving, and all the false pleasures of the world, God nevertheless sets before us this open feast and keeps our seat at His table always open. Isaiah is saying there's a chair at the king's table with your name on it. And he graciously bids you to earnestly seek him again. For God's open feast, writes Orland, is no soup kitchen. Yes, God is serving rich food, the best food in the world. But how do we taste his delights? How do we come to experience the satisfaction that we're longing for? And the answer is by listening diligently to His Word, as Isaiah says in verse 3. The answer is by seeking after Him while He may be found and calling upon Him while He is near, as Isaiah says in verse 6. We come to experience that satisfaction afresh and anew when we forsake all our wicked ways, when we forsake all our unrighteous thoughts, as Isaiah says in verse 7. That's the way to experience true and lasting satisfaction. And so the question is pressed upon us this morning. Are you listening to the Word of God? Are you listening to what God's Word says? Do you have an open ear to hear what the Spirit says to the churches? Because if you're looking for lasting satisfaction, if you're looking for true satisfaction, you're not going to find it in the dumpster. You're not going to find it in the dumpster of lust and pornography. You're not going to find it in the dumpster of greed and envy. You're not going to find it in the lies of the devil. The devil we know has always promised us everything, but he 
has never been able to deliver on anything. When he tempts us to give in to sin, and when he succeeds in doing that, he would have us to believe that we're entering a pool of refreshing water when in reality it's a cesspool that will kill us. We know that the devil's lies are strong, aren't they? And there's only one way to drown them out, and that's to turn our eyes to heaven and our ears to the word. The only way to drown out the lies of the devil is to recognize that that Jesus' words are sweeter. Perhaps you'll know well the name John Bunyan, perhaps most famous for writing that great Christian allegory, Pilgrim's Progress. Perhaps you don't know that written on the inside of the cover of his Bible was the phrase, either this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. Bunyan, you see, understood that there was a real and vital connection between his devotional life and his personal life. He understood that if he wanted to be rightly filled and powerfully fueled, then he had to open wide his mouth in order that the Lord might fill it, as the psalmist says. This is how we come to taste and see his goodness, only by earnestly seeking after him and his righteousness. Isn't that what David shows us in Psalm 63, that psalm that we sang at the start of our worship service? There David cries out in the wilderness, So God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you as in a dry and and weary land where there is no water. He says, Your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. And then he says, My soul will be satisfied as with rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you, when I remember you upon my bed and meditate upon you in the watches of the night. When David remembers the Lord, when he remembers the word of the Lord, that's when he experiences true satisfaction. When he meditates upon the Lord at the watches of the night, that's when he experiences the blessing that that belongs to those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Are you seeking the Lord this morning? Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness in such a way that you're willing to do whatever it takes to put your sin to death and to live in new obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ? That's what Christ is calling us to do in this beatitude. That's what we heard from the Apostle Paul in Romans 6. Let sin no longer reign in your mortal body to obey its passions, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. This new righteous hunger, this gospel appetite you see is to bleed into every area of the believer's life. This new hunger will have an impact on what you watch and what you listen to. This new hunger will have an impact on how you you carry yourself at work, will have an impact on all your pursuits and all your plans and all your desires and all your dreams. 
this new hunger will leave no part of your life untouched. To quote Ortland once more, only path forward is as obvious as it is radical. God is calling us to a complete overhaul. God is calling us to place ourselves under his scrutiny, welcoming into our lives ways and thoughts completely unfamiliar to us, but clearly stated in his word. God is calling us to reform our lives with unprecedented newness, he writes. Humbly accepting his call and courageously following through is nothing less than repentance. Let us return to the Lord, says Ortland, for he is worth it. And that's the last thing we're going to consider this morning, that hungering and thirsting for righteousness is worth it. This hunger alone can be filled with that which truly satisfies. Note how the prophecy of Isaiah 55 comes to an end. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be, that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. In these two verses, Isaiah likens the word of God to the rain that falls from the sky to nourish and give life to the ground. Because similar to the rain that falls from the sky, God's word brings life. God's word fills our stomachs and quenches our thirst. It brings about true and lasting satisfaction. It does not return to God empty, but it accomplishes the purpose for which God sent it, namely to give us the satisfaction that we long for. Isaiah goes on, for you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make for the Lord an everlasting sign that will never be cut off. In short, Isaiah's prophecy ends with the same promise that our Lord has set before us in this beatitude, that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall surely be satisfied. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. Whenever we pursue those things, what do we get? We get thorns and thistles. But God places a better hunger before us. True satisfaction for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They'll be satisfied, we learn already, now in this life as they Seek the Lord in His righteousness as they experience His forgiving grace, and they will be satisfied also forever in the life to come. And so what Jesus is setting before us in this beatitude really is an enduring satisfaction. It's a satisfaction that only He is able to provide. It's a satisfaction that will never fade away. It's not like the fleeting satisfaction of sin that's never satisfied. Think of the way that God spoke to the people of Israel in Ezekiel. They thought they would find satisfaction in their harlotry with the false gods of the world. And God says, you went after the gods of, you, went, you played the harlot with the gods of Assyria, and you were not satisfied. You went to the gods of the southern nation, still you, you were not satisfied. Sin is never satiated, it's never satisfied. But Jesus sets before us an enduring satisfaction. 
the satisfaction that only he can provide. He is the one who says in John chapter 4, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. He's the one who says in John chapter 6, do not work, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal, for I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus could make these rather bold claims, people of God, because he himself was the righteous one par excellence. Having come to fulfill all righteousness for us, Jesus was him who hungered and thirsted for righteousness every day, every moment of his life. He came into the world saying, I have not come to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. That was his food. That was his drink. It was a food, it was a drink, it was a hunger to do the Father's will that drove him all the way to the cross. To accomplish the Father's will that we might be satisfied. And so, Christ alone is uniquely qualified to say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. This is the promise that he sets before us this morning as we come to the table. He says to us, again, come. Everyone who thirsts, come to these waters. Come, buy, who has, who has, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor? for that which does not satisfy. As Paul says in Romans 6, verses 20 and 21, when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? That question congregation has pressed upon each and every one of us this morning. Take stock of your life. Take stock of your sins, the sins that continue to linger in your life, and ask yourself the question, What's the fruit of that? What fruit are you getting from those things that only serve to make you feel more ashamed? And to think about that this morning, you need to hear what the word of God says concerning those sins. The end of those things is death, says Paul. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Disobedience has always led to death and misery, but righteousness has always led to life and true satisfaction. In order that we might have that life and have it abundantly, in order that we might have that satisfaction, God sent his Son into the world as the righteous one so that we might be set free from sin and so that we might become Slaves of God, slaves to righteousness, the fruit of which leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life, which is the free gift of God in Christ Jesus. Here we find a gift that will never perish or spoil or fade away. As the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1. Here we have true and lasting satisfaction, this imperishable gift. And that's what this beatitude ultimately has in view, that, that a day is coming when the words from Revelation chapter 7 will finally 
come to pass. They shall hunger no more. Neither shall they thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of them and of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The Beatitude sets before us the hope of resurrection glory in the new creation. And in His infinite grace and mercy, Christ gives us a foretaste into that blessed future as we come to His table. As we eat of the bread and drink from the cup, the Spirit lifts us up into those heavenly places where we have a seat at the King's table. And He says, eat and drink and be satisfied. And so let us come to the table in that confidence. We don't have to buy our way or, or earn our way to the table. For he has said, come, without money, without price. You'd only bring your believing heart and the hunger that he himself has, has given you. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, we come before you again and give you thanks. You are a God of infinite grace and mercy. And that in your grace and in your mercy, you caused us to see our poverty of spirit, you caused us to see that our stomachs were empty. And you gave us a new hunger, a new appetite for righteousness. Lord, we pray that you would increase our hunger. You say with the disciples, we believe, help our unbelief, increase our faith, and so we pray also increase our hunger. Father, as we taste of the satisfaction we have in Christ, as we partake of the bread and the cup, may that urge us on to see that the satisfactions of the world are fleeting and that Christ gives us that which is enduring, eternal life and true satisfaction that will never spoil or perish or fade away. This we ask, Lord, in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.